coming. Pass is picked off. He's going to go looking again, and it's picked off by Stephon Gilmore down on the right sideline. Into the end zone, and he's picked off. Back the other way. Live yeah. it. I picked, live all, it. I picked all the fucking winners, and I didn't win. I'm so stupid, getting greedy with this spread on the first game. I'd have mm. been fine otherwise. What a loser. <laughs> Fucking asshole, man. Brady looked old. Like the whole of that Bucks team is oh, so yeah. bad. Like God. Cannot, they, they are so done. Cannot read what the what the Cowboys are like still. Because of that game. Like that was a bad, bad team that they beat. So I know. The, the, what I can say that was seemed impressive for me watching the 40 is how they controlled it in the second half and just they started running the clock down real early and they were running the ball really well. They just managed it right till the end, which is impressive in any playoff game, even if they, the Bucks were shit. <laughs> they were fucking terrible. Yeah. They were really fucking terrible. Mm. Uh, Jazz, just to confirm what I already told Dave, there is no Shane Vereen tonight. Oh. <gasps> I know. Uh, I have a message. I have a message from Shane saying, "Hi, Ollie. Hope your week is going well. I have to cancel today. My wife is due to have our baby any day and needs to get an appointment, and I have to take her because it's snowing hard here, and I don't want her driving by herself." So many excuses. Pick one. Yeah. Is it the weather, or is it the baby, or is it the woman driving? What's going on? Yeah. Which one is it, Shane? Jesus Christ. Oh, I would have slowed down eating my food if I'd known that. Well, we do have two other people who are going to be joining us today. I scrambled and, uh, yeah, we've got two guests joining us in oh, cool. a minute, in a few minutes. So, who you know, is it? Well, two guests. Sal Capaccio is joining us, Bill's oh, sideline nice. reporter. Yeah. And I regret this so much. <laughs> I didn't. Richard Graves, Cowboys fan, is going to be Ooh. joining us. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Are they going to be on at the same time? Or uh, they might be. Yeah, they might turn up at the same time. So this is going to be fun. Cool. So it'll be five people. It's all good. I mean, if Phoebe had said yes as well, we'd have had six. <laughs> it would have been an absolute mess. Then but basically, no. I'm just going to be quiet and listen. <laughs> well, no, it's, I think uh, you should get in, obviously. Uh, yeah, I'm interested to see how it'll work with two guests at once. We'll only have Sal for like 10, 15 minutes. I said to him, we won't keep you for ages or anything like that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, once he's on, we'll get him in straight away and, uh, and do all that good stuff. Um, yeah, but I really regret asking Rich to do this. He's been sending me like daily messages for the last week and a half of being like, are the Eagles going to choke? Look at the Cowboys are so good. Number one offense since week seven, number one point scoring team since week seven. Give me a break. I mean, me going crazy in terms of the betting thing is taking the Giants to beat the Eagles. That's why I was considering oh, before just I did. Go for a week. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. His, I think Danny Dimes really played well the other day. Okay, but can we stop? I did a podcast today with somebody who used the phrase "Danny Dimes is like Josh Allen, but not quite as good." Because they heard someone talk about how Brian Dable helped Josh Allen become better and blah, 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 blah. That's what they're doing there, nothing more. So I think that's a load of nonsense. What you really have is a quarterback who can run, who if he's not accounted for, can make plays with his legs, and he's done pretty well with his arm last week. Doesn't mean he's going to carry on doing that. The Eagles' secondary is far superior to the 
Viking secondary, but you know, that was a, that was a playoffs. terrible defensive performance. The Vikings um, are shit. That's why I told you. Been telling you all fucking year the Vikings are they're shit. They're not. They're not. They're not that. But they oh, are they suck. not great. It's so weird. I was trying to explain to my old man about them. Of like, he was like, "I can't believe the Giants beat the Vikings." It's like, well, I can, because they're a thirteen-win team, but thirteen of those victories were by like a score. So hey, we all got that right. Yeah, for once. Yeah. We yep, all got yep, that yep. right. I felt good about that bet as well. I mean, if I was really betting with my head rather than my heart, I would have been betting with the Cowboys because the smart money was on the Cowboys, not the Bucks. I just but the Bucks are the better I story. I just can't fucking bet on the Cowboys. Yeah, having mm. bet on them once and them completely shot. Oh, you should have listened. Should have listened to you. No, old but the, boy. the Bucks was a better Stumpo. story and a better like um, knock up the odds a bit more. Like, well, it wasn't that much. It was only a three point spread, so it wasn't a big big leap no but if you take way it way in retrospect they gave the bucks yep. way too much respect yeah well yes, everybody did. did everybody God, did. they were terrible jeez they just couldn't move the ball at all it sums up the state of the nfc when there are three nfc east teams of the final four teams left in the playoffs mm. yeah and the Niners are, without a doubt, hands down, the best team out of those four by a long way, a mile. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. yeah don't yeah, don't yeah. suddenly start sleeping on the Eagles just because we haven't watched them in a week. That's still an incredible. No, team. no, we've watched Giants them. We've watched them the three times. Shove Saquon Barkley down that fucker's throat. <clears> we've yeah. watched the Eagles three times in the last month, and they've lost to the Cowboys, lost to the Saints, and. Just kind of yeah, but Hertz has been banged. Huffed their Hertz way through that Giants up. game. He's had a week off, and he's gonna he knows going to bang good. him up a bit more. Dexter Lawrence. Yeah, did you see he's the clip go for a run? And boom, see you. There was a clip on Twitter of his like best plays from the night. <laughs> it was brutal, and him talking mad shit, Jazz, yeah, to, to the Vikings uh, offensive lineman. Mad shit. He is. It was uh, great. He said he was like he was like you hug me more times than my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so good. He looked oh. incredible, that guy, and that yeah. nutter Thibodeau as well. He's he crazy. is a good player. Yeah, he's an asshole as well. Yeah, he's a disrespectful. Peace. Yeah. Don't like don't like Thibodeau as a character. I don't like him, but I like watching him. Yeah. he's... <laughs> I do, I do worry about that. Lane Johnson's going to be p- able to play. He's delayed surgery on his groin to play the playoffs, but how much is he actually going to be able to play, and at what level is Lane Johnson going to be able to play? Is like a big thing. He's so, is he? but Hertz is at least off the injury report, which mm. is nice. So, whether that's them being like, no, no, he's fine, or whether he's actually a hundred percent fit, I don't know. You just don't know what Jalen Hurts oh, is at the moment because they played him basically in cotton wool against the Giants in the last week of last season of the season. So mm. you know they didn't let him run. There were no designed runs like that. There was the mm. odd like guaranteed take for five yards or something, but he didn't take many hits at all. Throwing the ball away, didn't launch it on many deep routes anyway. So yeah, I you know, know who? Let's let, let's get back. To, like... Let's get back to this in a sec because let's talk some bills because Sal is joining us um and sal capaccio is the sideline reporter for the buffalo bills uh long-term friend of this podcast Sal, how you doing man good to see you bro 
You too, man. Can you guys hear me okay? See me okay? Loud, loud and clear, buddy. Loud and clear. What's it like in Buffalo at the moment? Um, it is kind of colder and well, it's not that cold actually. It's kind of rainy, like a rainy cold, like that worst weather you can have for football, which is that little cold rain. It actually was raining earlier today. It's better now. Um, it's actually not been bad. The last couple of days been in the mid forties here, but we are expecting a storm at some point this weekend, and I think it might be after the game. But we're gonna get a little snow for the game. I think maybe just a little bit, not a lot. I mean, I was definitely talking about like the atmosphere of the city around the Bills and this run and the belief. Got- but we're British, so I'm glad you gave us the weather report first, and then <laughs> <laughs> that's all we want. Everybody always asks about the weather in Buffalo. But listen, um, cautious. Uh, I don't know. People, people are people are not happy with the way the team played last week, and almost felt like a loss dissecting mm-hmm. that on. Um, but I think you're probably going through the same thing in Cincinnati. I think that having the same radio show in Cincinnati and Buffalo this week, which is, oh, my God, I can't believe it. They got away with one. And if you play like that next week, you're going to lose. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of faith. You know, this team that's won 13 games in the regular season this year and has Josh Allen at quarterback and knows that, you know, that they, they, they've been in these big spots before and they can they obviously have the talent to win. You say, like, obviously the Bills didn't play that well last week. I mean, I've been somebody that's never – until recently got on board the Josh Allen train. Were you a bit worried about some of maybe the decision-making and some of the throws that we saw last week that, you know, this is just another kind of playoff game where we've seen him have some iffy decisions in the past, or do you still just buy he's a Favre-type risk-reward kind of guy? Yeah, no, it's not really concerned about that. They do happen once in a while. I think really some of it came from what Miami was doing to the Bills. To give them credit, they were really blitzing the heck out of the Bills. Um you know, they have some good playmakers up front. Miami's a very risk-reward type of defense, and mm. the Bills took advantage of some of the times where they did that as well, right? Josh still threw for over 350 yards, and honestly, he wasn't helped by a couple of drops, would have had over 400 yards just on one yep. uh, Shakir drop alone. But, you know, you have to look at the history. Josh's first playoff game, that 2019 game at Houston, he was full, oh, my God, Josh, what are you doing, right? I mean, and, mm. you know, went crazy anywhere. Um, but overall, even with that game, Josh Allen has – statistically going into last week is at least was maybe the best statistical quarterback in NFL history with anybody six playoff games or more 15 touchdowns and no and one interception now it's what 18 touchdowns and three interceptions over the last you know and throughout his playoff time so here the, the, the way I've always described it is guys you can't have it both ways if you want the greatness and the specialness of Josh Allen you got to accept the fact that every once in a while he's gonna make a decision or make a throw that isn't very smart and he's got to do a better job of that this week than he did last week for sure. But I don't think anyone's too concerned about it. It's always different as well when you play the team for the third time in the season. So we had uh, Ben Koyak in last week who was talking about how playing the same team for the third time, you can almost guess the blocking schemes and you can guess the defensive coverages. 60% of it you can just do with your eyes closed. So you haven't got as much surprise. So I suppose in some ways having a chance to play a team like the Bengals, where of course that game was unfortunately cancelled through the DeMar Hamlin um, trouble that at least we get the chance for two teams with less knowledge of each other to probably put on a show as opposed to a grinding out horrible mistake prone game. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, we've been wondering all week, we've been asked Sean McDermott today. I just came back from the stadium. We had his media availability and like, how much can you gain from playing nine minutes against them, you know, yeah. and having drives, which is they had two drives against the bills. Bills had one drive against them. And there's a little familiarity there, but I, I think it was interesting this week. Um, so the Bills held a walkthrough practice today. That's not typical on a Wednesday. Normally on Wednesday, they have a full practice. And I'm like, man, why are they doing a walkthrough? And then it kind of dawned on me. Well, I think for a couple of reasons. Um, I think they're tied into each other. I think Miami was a physical game against, you know, they want to give these guys maybe an 
extra day to kind of get their bodies right. And they did just prepare for the Bengals for a full week, just a few weeks ago, right? So there, there's not so much more. So it's not like you're losing a day of preparation. I think you already have that. And it is a team that they prepared for, but you don't know. You don't, you know, don't see them. You haven't been familiar with them. Now, let's remember, too, in the time away from each other, Bills and um, Bengals, the Bills played the Patriots and Dolphins. The Bengals only played one team. They played the Ravens twice, right? So yeah. whatever Bills got from the, – they're going to have to look at exactly what the Ravens did, which actually they – obviously had a couple of chances to, to beat them in two straight games, but that's the film they're going to get from them. I don't know how much you can get from that nine minutes, but I'm sure that they're taking away as much as they can from those nine minutes they played. Yeah. How's everything around this game, obviously, because that Monday night football was so much more important for other reasons away from the football field. Is, does that emotional factor come into an hour playoff meeting between these two teams so close after what happened as well? And thankfully, obviously, DeMar's doing, by all accounts, very well on his recovery. Yeah, no, I think um, it's really not because of that. It's more of you're able to turn the page because he's doing so well, right, Ali? I mean, like, it, it's such a great story that he's been on the road to recovery. He's actually at the facility on a daily basis now, we were told today. He's not part of team meetings. He's not going to play, obviously. He's just there with the guys, which is really cool. And that's great to see. So I think once we started to get reports about that, we kind of turned the page, but you saw the emotion in the stadium the week after the game, playing against the New England Patriots, the opening kickoff. I think where it comes into play might be, we don't know if is going to be in the stadium this week. He wasn't last week. And what if he shows up, he's in the, comes out of the tunnel, or he's on the video board or whatever. I think that's where the emotion comes into it. But I think it's on to football now for both these teams. And, um, you know, people have wondered, you know, well, you know, the Bills playing the Bengals again. Will they bring him back mentally to that? I don't know. I mean, I, I can't speak for everyone. Everyone processes it differently for sure. But I do think that it helps so much to know he's he's okay and he's going to be good and he's on the road to recovery. And, you know, people are now focusing on the task at hand and not that situation. And just on that as well, how much is the locker room sort of looking at the DeMar Hamlin situation as a lightning rod to really galvanize their push and try and really play for DeMar every time they're out there? Yeah, that was certainly the case for the last, you know, at least that first week. And I think even last a little bit, uh, a little bit as well. Um, but, you know, I think you have to be careful here. And I think, you know, even last week, some people said, well, you know, they didn't even, they didn't wear the threes on the jerseys last week. They had caps, threes with caps. We didn't have them on the jersey. It didn't, you know, it wasn't the same feel. And I think you have to be careful here. And I tried to explain, like, it's a tragic situation, obviously, what happened on the field, but it turned out great. He's still with us, right? He's not a yeah. bomb. He didn't die on the field and he's a player on the team. And he's going to be with the team. So I think there's got to be a delicate balance you walk there between how much you want to go over the top of, you know, acknowledging that and playing for him, but at the same time saying, yeah, but he's a part of us now. We don't need to think about that and make it part of what we're doing. We can just kind of concentrate on football and we're bringing him along with us now. I think that that's a delicate balance that the team, you know, has to walk throughout this situation. But today it's actually was really interesting. Gabe Davis told us today that, um, Von Miller actually came in and had, you know, he had a, he had the Super Bowl trophy replica Super Bowl trophy and he put it, he brought it in the training room, I guess. And he put it down and he looked at everybody and he said, you said you would do anything for this. That's, oh, wow. that's cool. That's so cool. I think that focus is going now as opposed to tomorrow, which is still a story. And we're all thinking about it and talking about it in, the, in, in, in great positive way. But I think the focus more is on winning a Lombardi trophy for everyone, yeah. including Hamlet. What about, and I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, obviously Coach McDermott isn't thinking in another game's time, but obviously the neutral site possibility yeah. 
for Buffalo down in Atlanta. What how's that been received by Buffalo in-house and and around the city in general? Because obviously the Bengals, there was a lot of talk about how Bengals fans were really frustrated about they wouldn't perhaps have the chance to compete for the number one seed after everything that happened on the Monday Night Football and the cancellation. But do the Bills maybe see it as well? We don't have to go to Kansas City. Like we get them on a neutral field if we can get through the Bengals. This is an even better opportunity, perhaps. Yeah, there's so many different ways to look at it, right? But I will say, just from my perspective, I think that even you know taking off the Bill sideline reporter guy here glasses, um, I think the league was in a tough spot, and they probably did as best they could with it to be as fair and equitable as they could with it to come up with a solution. Um, so. You know, the, the thing that stinks for the Bills is they work so hard to try and have that home field because they've had to go on the road the last two years at Kansas City. You've never even – Patrick Mahomes has never even played a road playoff game. You know, get him on the road, see what he can do. And they worked really hard more than anything, maybe for that bye. Then they'll get the rest, get that bye. You'll get a free win to get into the next round. And, um, you know, they weren't able to get that. I do think that Cincinnati has a gripe, um, for sure. Like, I mean, they couldn't even get the two seed, let alone the one seed, because of what happened. And, you know, that seemed, someone was – someone was going to seem like they got the the wrong end of everything here and it maybe it was them who knows it's 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 tough but i think overall the way the league did it um you know it turned out that this is probably the most fair and equitable solution now yeah you could say well we'd love to have the afc championship game at home if we were there and that could still happen if it's jacksonville but even against kansas city you'd love that but going to arrowhead is a tough deal man the bills have gone there two years in a row and you can see that crowd impacts the communication on offense and as good as the bills offense has been at arrowhead you know it's 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 tough. It's really tough. And I know that, you know, getting them at a neutral site, if that's the way it goes, is obviously much better than going to Arrowhead. Now, tickets went on sale today. And that's a different deal, too, because the way they did it, the NFL announced that they basically they're going to treat it like a college championship game, half and half, you know, half Kansas City, half Buffalo. And they basically said, if you're a season ticket holder who already committed to buying tickets for that game, you'll have first priority. Here's your code. Go to Ticketmaster, log in. People have been saying all day how they've been doing on this. I guess, you know, it's, as you can imagine, a lot of confusion or uh, controversy about how it's going on. But I was also shown, shown a map where how the Bills side, their tickets are going a lot quicker than Kansas City's side. But those Kansas City side are still reserved for Kansas City. So I'll, I'll we'll see how that, you know, winds mm. up. I hate talking about it, but we have to talk about it because they do have a game this week and you still got to win. You know, it feels weird and you don't want to jump ahead too much as you're looking ahead you're not but the business at hand is you have to deal with these things you have to at least get ready for it it's kind of a potentially going to be great preparation for a super bowl for the bills as well if they can get to that championship game because the atmosphere then will feel more like a super bowl atmosphere than even perhaps the london games that we always hear that comparison as well so in terms of getting prepared the players for being in that sort of environment. It could be a huge boost to any AFC team, either the Chiefs or the Bills going into that. For anybody that's not used to, obviously the Chiefs have still got a number of Super Bowl winners and contenders from the last two times that they've been there. On that sideline, it could be a big advantage if the Bills make it to the big one, which again, I know is like cursing it for Buffalo fans. So, Yeah, and um, you know, it's a great point. It's a great point. Yeah, it will be like that. You know, it's funny because they're doing the same thing in Kansas City. They're selling tickets for it. I mean, what are you going to do, right? And mm. people think, well, being presumptuous no more than not they'd have to people you can't start selling if you're league can't start selling six days before the game and having people not be able to plan their lives um it's a great point you make but I'll, I'll also say this though that look at all the disruption the bills have had all year they've had thursday night games and saturday night games and snow game they had to get out of buffalo and then another week where you go and then the game in chicago that we we had to stay in chicago couldn't get back home because of the snow 
that was Christmas. I couldn't be here by nine year old. You know, I mean, all those things. And then our Hamlin game, and that's a Monday night. And the week that had, you had to have that shortened week, the Bills have had kind of everything thrown at them this year when it mm. comes to games. It's so, building up to the the best of America's game uh, yeah, episode ever, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So, you know, having if they have to go on a neutral site to play Kansas City, yeah, you know, they've 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 been there, done that in a few different ways this year. Richard Gray has just joined us as well, uh, Dallas Cowboys fan, but obviously a reporter for the NFL Network on the London Games. Um, Gravesy, I don't know if you've got anything to ask Sal as well. You just said in a message, it's great to sit and listen to a craftsman at his work. So, you know, you obviously have great respect for Sal, like we all do, man. Is there anything you want to add on this Buffalo game? Yeah, Sal, first of all, great to see you. Um, and obviously, reading up a bit, a bit about you, being a, a Buffalo fan from being a knee-high type of thing to being where you are now. Um, have you ever been a part of a season like this? You've just gone through the litany of adversity that the Bills have had to put up with, and it's come literally from every which way. And yet they're still here. They're they're still winning. Um, they're still in the dance. Where, where does – I guess what I'm trying to say is – where does that strength of character come from, no matter what's thrown at them, to still concentrate on the prize? Because we often hear about focus, and I think this is probably the best example in recent times that I can remember, at least anyway, of actually seeing it in action. It's a great question. And no, I have never been a part of a season like this. I've been the radio network sideline reporter for nine years, you know, and um, this is definitely a, a different year. I mean, heck, for the first, uh, I don't know, first uh, five or six of those, we didn't have the playoffs because we went through 17 years of not getting the playoffs and now you're faced you know with a lot of much better team but a lot of adversity and challenges but it's not just on the field you know I think a lot of people remember here that our city has been through so much um this year and this goes back to May when we had the racist mass shooting at our supermarket here um it's really horrible it's literally 1.2 miles from where I'm sitting at my house and this is where it happened um you know and the bills and ownership and team and uh, they, they were a big part of that healing process and going down there and, you know, helping this community kind of heal through that. And I always like to say, we're not Buffalo, we're not New York or Chicago or LA, we're Buffalo, right? We, we live our lives with these people in our community, the Bills players, you know, they're not, we're the second smallest market in the league. And, you know, it's not the glitz and glamour of these other cities. We, we're a big community. That's what we are. And our, our motto here in Buffalo, we're called the city of good neighbors. And that's, you know, what we try to be to each other all the time, but in trying times like that. And then you go after that shooting, then the owner, Kim Pagula, in June, she suffered a health issue. She is not, we, we, we still don't know her status, I guess you'd say, what what her health situation is. No one's really updated anyway, and that's gone the whole season without having the co-owner there, Kim Pagula. And that's been something that this team has had to go through. Um, and, and, you know, different kinds of, you know, questions about that and what's happening with ownership at the top, stuff like that. We've had the stadium thing hanging over and finally we're getting past that we're gonna have a new stadium coming here and all the questions about can it get done are they were gonna move and things like that and then you get into the adversity on the field and dane jackson injures his neck and gets carted you know into an ambulance on monday night football which was horrible to see he came back obviously that was great um and then they lose micah hyde that same night with a neck injury for the rest of the year and then you have thanksgiving in detroit they lose von miller for the rest of the year and then they have a game we have to get move the snow because the snow comes here and we talked about that stuff. And then, guys, the other thing with the city, then we had the snowstorm here Christmas weekend when we couldn't get back. Over 40 people died here in our city. They froze in their cars. They couldn't get to shelter. They could. I mean, this was a horrific, horrific event that happened here. 
I mean, this is not just the Bills on the field, it's the Bills off the field. It's everything here and all the adversity we've faced here as a community and how this team has been kind of front-facing for all of that has been really remarkable that they've maintained this consistency and how well they performed. It's It's been actually, I mean, obviously the, the things like the snowstorm were horrible to see, but the, the way that you saw on social media with fans kind of helping to dig each other's cars and the players' cars out of snow and stuff like that was at least quite a nice kind of poignant point to highlight. As, as you've touched on, the proximity that the players have within the city and the relationship they have with the people there. And you can only see as well, like Josh Allen as a face of that franchise. But as you know, the, the Wyoming quarterback kind of kid has that local town kind of feel to him in the way he acts and carries himself as well and kind of sits perfectly in Buffalo. Um, just finally, Sal, before we let you go, I just want to ask you, what is the most important matchup that the Bills have to win going into this Bengals game coming up on the weekend? I think this is an easy one. It's normally not easy because I think you could pick things around the board. But, guys, the Bengals are really hurting on their offensive line, right? I mean, they're already out without the right tackle, Lael Collins. They're going to be most likely without their right guard, Alex Kappa. And now their left tackle, Jonah Williams, who was hurt last week. We already know that, you know, they revamped that offensive line to protect Joe Burrow. They did a good job. They go 15 weeks, no injuries. Now they have three guys out. They're down three starters on the offensive line, most likely. And here come the Bills, who, even without Von Miller, that was a big one, but the Bills, the the one position they really overhauled this year was their defensive line. And they've spent so many resources on the defensive line over the last few years, drafting Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, A.J. Epinesa, re-signing Shaq Lawson, bringing him back, re-signing Jordan, Phil- Jordan Phillips, bringing him back, signing Daquan Jones, um, all of these guys. So this is Tim Settle. This is the matchup. Now you have to show why you were this group was so important to redo. This is your time now. you got to dominate this offensive line. The Bills have to dominate. The, their defensive line has to dominate the Bengals' offensive line. And we know that, you know, if you can get to Joe Burrow and you can force him to kind of have to eat that ball a little bit, your chances go way up because then you can't get the ball to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and those guys. So to me, the number one matchup in this game is the Bills' defensive line against the Bengals' banged-up offensive line. The Bills have to win that and have to show why they are better and why this team spent so many resources on these guys. So it's a game that that Monday night football game, I was so looking forward to seeing four quarters of these two teams that we haven't seen go head to head really in the, in the recent um, last few years, of the NFL going to get in lock horns. It's kind of great. We get to see them do it properly in the playoffs at, the, at least this time. I hope you enjoy it, man. Um, for your sake and for many other Bills fans sake, <laughs> I hope I get to see you in, uh, in Arizona as well in a few weeks time, buddy. Sal, before you go, have you got a score prediction for us? Uh, I have to save that one a little bit. I can just get right <laughs> way too many things. I'll say this, guys. I, I do think it's going to be a close game. I, I have a lot of respect oh, yeah. for the Bengals and what they're able. Um, and I don't think anybody would expect me to pick against the Bills, right? So let's just say it that yeah, way. Yeah, <laughs> I, like I think it. Dave just wants you to know if it's going to cover the spread or not for his bet yeah, later yeah, on. It's, this a, it's a betting podcast, Sal. <laughs> three and a half? Three and a half? Yeah, five I think and a half. Oh, really? Yeah, it's Ooh. five and a half. Yeah, Bills five point five. favorites. They are five, yeah. I thought I thought it moved a little bit. I think the line moved a little bit to the over under. I think because people were wondering about the weather and they said we might have a little storm coming. Might be a little windy, but I don't think it's gonna be anything um, too significant. I bet you that line is also reflected because of that old line for the for the Bengals mm-hmm. there. So I, yeah. I I think four game. However you want to interpret that. I mean that could be you know a six point game. It could be a three point or two point game. But I do think it's a one score game and I think it's gonna be close and it's gonna be incredibly fun. And yeah, Ali, I will. Um, it's not gonna wood right here. If I get a chance if they uh, if they win. You know, the next eight quarters, 
then uh, I'll be in Arizona on Radio Row, and I'd love to see you, buddy. Yeah, we'll catch up then, man, for sure, if uh, if all goes well. Um, thanks for the time, buddy, as always, man. Really appreciate getting the insight on the Bills. No problem, guys. You guys take care. Thanks, take care, Sal. Sal Capaccio, uh, absolute beast, talking all things Bills. Richard Graves is still with us, thankfully, although, I mean, I said to Dave and Jazz earlier, as soon as I made the call, I was like, oh, do I regret this? <laughs> do I really regret this? You see, let me give you my side of the version. I'd shut down everything for the evening, finished work. I get a text from my mate saying, look, we'd like you to be on the podcast. Can you help us out? <laughs> no hesitation. I'm there for you, buddy. I'm right there. And, and this is the response I get. <laughs> <laughs> this is the response that you get because of the last week or so of voice messages that I have still on my WhatsApp messages service with you. Uh, because it's been horrendous and you're bringing a lot of self-doubt into my mind about the Philadelphia Eagles and you're making me right, worry so. a lot that the Cow... If the Niners weren't so good, I'd be very, very worried about the Dallas Cowboys right now. Hey, look, um, the second best thing about yesterday was just getting a feel for the inner turmoil that you were going through <laughs> as I'm getting these WhatsApp messages. that The self-fulfilling doubt that you were putting into the equation, because I was like, for yesterday... I think the Eagles have got this. And by the end of the day, I was like, Ollie's mounted a real credible case for the Giants to cause the upset here. I might be on board with it. And I'm loving that it's you, an Eagles fan, that, that are giving me the argument. It's fantastic. Isn't that isn't that what it should be as a Philadelphia Eagles fan, that I should give everybody else the reason to not vote for them? Um, yeah. Because every time, I, is, every time I go for them, they lose. Every time I get heavy on them, they've lost this well, season. they've only lost three games all season. I know, and yeah. they're the only three times I've been like, sod it, I'm riding this wave, I'm going to enjoy it, I'm going to be a proper fan and really get behind them. Go, Eagles, yeah. Lose to the Commanders. Right, fine, we're down... Jalen Hurts, let's go into that day, uh, the Christmas Eve game against Dallas. Come on, Minshew can do it anyway. This is a good enough Eagles team. They lose. All right, well, we're going to get it done against the Saints and wrap up the number one seed easy at home. So, no, we lose to the freaking Saints in a shambolic fashion. And it was only because I was getting nervous about the Giants in week 18 that they decided to just about pull one out of the bag against Big Blue. So well, I'll, I'll be honest, that, that Saints well, defeat is the only one I'd be genuinely concerned about um, mm. because I don't think they really are many mitigating circumstances for it you got away from what you did best in the first half you opened the door just enough for the for the saints um, to sneak on through and that's the only time i've found it a bit of a head scratcher i think there are mitigating circumstances for for the other two two defeats but look you, you were telling me you've got jalen hurts back he's an mvp candidate for the season all's good in philly right yep what Ollie's trying to do? What Ollie's trying to do, Richard? He's trying to he's trying to paint this as a kind of like, oh, nobody believes in in Philly. Oh, we're we're the underdogs in this game. Like he's trying to paint it a certain way, and he's trying to protect himself emotionally. Yeah, he's protecting himself. Nobody, nobody thinks that no one believes in Philly. Nobody believes that you're the underdogs, and it'll be one of the biggest upsets in recent living memory in postseason if the Eagles lose this weekend. Mm. It it the trouble is Fair. is that that sort of talk has got people looking at New York a bit more, particularly after the Vikings game. Like I recorded a podcast uh, with somebody this afternoon, and both the other two people on the podcast were like, "I'm taking the Giants. I'm taking the Giants oh. to do this." And I was, I mean, Brutal. but then I've sabotaged myself because I checked them on the podcast. I was like, "Are you kidding me? You're actually taking the Giants in your head," which means I'm on the Eagles bandwagon, which means the Giants will win. This is how it's going to play out. Do you know what the problem is at this stage of the season? People have really short-term memories. So, for example, you go into last weekend, 
and the playoffs and the Cowboys Buccaneers game. Uh, and everyone's looking at how Dallas played in Washington, um, how badly Dak Prescott played. And it's Tom Brady, he's 7-0 against the Cowboys. He's won seven Super Bowl rings and the Bucs are at home. And look what the Seahawks did 12 years ago against mm. the, the New Orleans Saints. And they, they very easily forget, you know, you've got a, a breadth of work over the season here, 18 weeks. I said going into last weekend's game, no matter what you think, the noise, the Buccaneers are not a good team. Mm. Uh, and I'm not going to say that about the New York Giants because they've gone on the road and knocked off the Minnesota Vikings. But essentially, this is a first year for head coach Brian Dable. He's moulding the team into his image. I think they've probably already surpassed any expectations he probably um, could have hoped to have had right at the start of the season. If you just look at it, roster against roster, the Philadelphia Eagles, no offence, Giants fans, the Philadelphia Eagles have the better roster. If the Eagles lose this weekend, I'm willing to bet right now that it will be because they've done something wrong. The, the Giants are a decent side and they will take advantage if the Eagles mess up. But realistically, if the Eagles play to the best of their ability and the Giants play to the best of theirs, Philadelphia should come out on top in this game. There's only yeah, one, no, of then. course. I was about to say, that when people have the bye week, number one seeds don't always do brilliantly coming off it either. There's yeah. always that little bit of ring rust. And of course, when a team has got momentum, like we've seen so many times, wildcard teams go on and make a run because they've had a chance to have to win to get into the playoffs and that's created the momentum to keep it going. So there's always that risk as well when the Eagles do come back on the field, whether or not they'll take a quarter or two to get back in the I'm, swing. I'm not buying that only because if you go back to the previous three weeks, last three weeks of the regular season, that was rust and messiness in, in a number of places against the Cowboys defensively. I mean, you even looking at the T.Y. Hill play, like you knew that ball was going to go deep on the what third and 33, yeah. and yet you still don't make sure you're in a deep enough zone down the sideline to cover T.Y. Hilton, who hasn't been relevant in the NFL for about two years now. Um, you, you look at the Saints game, as Rich tucked on, that was, that was shambolic at first half, as we've seen all season from the Eagles. Yeah, a touchdown was incorrectly ruled off that I think genuinely would have changed the momentum in that game and kind of changed focus quite a lot for Philadelphia. But at the end of the day, you've got to play better than the referee's ref and weren't able to dig yourselves out of the hole. Rusty. And then you look at week 18 and how handcuffed Sirianni called that game in terms of we'll have the starters there. So if we get into a hole, we can try and take it up a level, but also run, run, run. OK, just take the three points. We've still got a big enough lead. Run, run, run. Take the time off. Take the three points. There was no thought process in my mind at all in that Philadelphia team of doing anything except just getting through and getting the job done without anybody getting too badly hurt or injured and that's kind of worked out in the end so for me that bye week is now a chance to rather than it getting rusty is to actually get this Eagles team back sharpened up once again and the last time the Eagles had a bye week going into the playoffs it worked out very very well for them so uh, yeah I'm I'm okay with the bye week I'm not worried about that it just See, all hinges so the, on so hurts, The Eagles it? are going to win, Ollie. Because that looked like you're saying the Eagles are yeah, going to win. Yeah, you're talking yourself into it now. Yeah, That's a big smile. Oh, look, they're definitely going to do it. <laughs> I, did, I didn't say that. I did not say that. No, it I came across that way in your tone. The Eagles should do this, but it's annoying yeah. playoff well, look, football. Um, so. if, we, if, you look, if you break it down to you know, individual parts of the team, you know, where are the Giants better than the Eagles? Only thing I is their head struggling. coach. I would take Brian Darbell over Nick Sirianni, I think. 
Especially After everything play, that he's done. Especially in play. I think Sirianni has created a brilliant game plan that's made Jalen Hurts look very, very good this year. And I think that's yep. awesome. But in playoff football, I imagine Brian Darbo being a far better rallier of a team, particularly when the chips maybe get down, than a Nick Sirianni. And I wouldn't trust if the Eagles fall into a hole, a Sirianni team to get out of one. Whereas a Giants team down, I reckon Darbo and that, that crew can, can rally them to put up a better fight. What about on the interior defensive line? I'll take the Giants DTs over over what you've got there in terms of run-stuffing defensive tackles. It's only one small area of the field, but I, I do think if if um, the Giants have to cause any sort of upset this weekend, it'll be because they've dominated in the trenches and Saquon Bark is able to run the ball and somehow they manage to limit what Jalen Hurts, uh, Miles Sanders, et al. can do for the Philadelphia Eagles. The the speed off the edge is fine. It's Jordan, J- Jordan Davis has such a big role to play in this inside mm. against the run this weekend. It can't be undervalued how big he's been as a rookie. And obviously he's a huge size of a man. But that is where, and I think you're very right, and I, I touched on this earlier today with somebody else, that the Jordan Davis, if he has a big game in terms of stuffing up the middle neatly, that is a game changer for Philadelphia. If Barkley can start running through the middle and start wearing down the defense yeah that's going to be a disaster particularly then because you have tired legs chasing daniel jones every so often when he decides to move but somebody was comparing daniel jones to josh allen today somebody else was saying is daniel jones and uh, the new and improved version of eli manning for the giants somebody somebody that's said so if different that's somebody so weird. somebody said if new york beat philadelphia i would put money on them to win the whole thing and I was like, you are talking absolute rubbish when you look at even the AFC, who's going to be representing them. Like, Aside from the Jags, you don't want yeah. any of those teams, Bengals, Bills or Chiefs. I wouldn't back any of them against the, uh, the New York Giants, beat any of them. So there's some real lunacy as you talk about short-term memory. Daniel Jones has one good playoff game against the Vikings yeah. and was really good. But like, let's not. But the start Vikings anointing. are terrible defensively. They're one yeah. of the worst defenses yeah. in the NFL. I mean, they're going to flat uh, any number of quarterbacks. I mean, it, to be fair to Jones, well, that might be the best game of football he's played that yeah, I've seen uh, as a Giant. I'd say so, so. You know, I mean, he got 300 yards. Uh, did he get 75 on the ground as well? Yeah, yeah lots like, of ones. He did kind of look like a Josh Allen light. To be fair, but going so back to what Ollie was saying there, I I think that the. The game plan that Brian Dable installed for that Vikings game was absolutely first class. I think mm. it played to the strengths of his star players. Um, and that's what you're meant to do, isn't it? And Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, um, and the the receiving core, which has been much maligned for the Giants this year, all came to play and won a playoff game on the road. Um, but yeah, like you say, the Vikings defense is awful. It's been awful all season long. It's been a diversion that's been played out in the media that people point to Kirk Cousins and, oh, he can't win a late window game. Nothing to do with it. The defence in Minnesota has been <laughs> dreadful. You you come to to Philadelphia, well, look, now you've got a top 10 ranked offence, a top 10 ranked defence. They lead the league by a mile in sacking the opposing mm. quarterback. You know, and, you, and you've played them twice this season. You got hammered at home by the Eagles and then, okay, fine. It was your second string effects that you put out in week 18, but you still lost that game as well. There needs to be a monumental shift for the New York Giants to turn that form book on its head this weekend. I, guys, I don't see that happening, frankly, but it's playoffs and anything can happen on any given day, can't it, Ollie? 
just because you're saying these things isn't going to change my opinion on another game that we're going to have to talk about at some point when it comes to the Cowboys and the 49ers. So stop being nice. I'm not used to this. I don't like it. You're all pleasant when you're in front of people and the camera's on and stuff like that. And as soon, <laughs> why, why are you so much nicer to me when other people aren't around, Rich? Oh, geez. <laughs> Although it's the opposite, actually. When people are around, you, you see think... this right now? World's smallest violin on it. <laughs> in a number one seed. You've got home field advantage through the postseason. <laughs> Get on with it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's not been a bad year. Let's put it that way. When you have 14 times to cheer in a regular season, it's a pretty Although good worse one. than you thought was going to be, Ollie at the start of the year said it was going to be 15 and 2. Isn't that right, Ollie? I think I, think I was on a 2 to 3 losses looking at the schedule, okay. I said, before the start of the season. Yeah, so I was... I, we were not far off. I was not far off. I was yeah. pretty dialed in on that one. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a fairly I, soft schedule, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, I remember really, we, really. we all. I think we all said you might go undefeated going into the bye week, which you did. did. did yeah, we eight, went eight wins. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Um, but the Giants and the Cowboys have also benefited from. It. I mean, you talk about teams exceeding expectation. All four of the NFC East teams have ex- exceeded expectation this year. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think particularly the Comets because we thought I thought anyway they'd be like a four or five win team. They mm. did much better than I thought they were going to do down to schedule. Yeah, well, I'm that's so the glad they're the not in the playoffs, though. Terrible, oh, they're a really is. bad team yeah. to watch. But yeah, <laughs> what about Dallas, then, Rich? Come on, I mean, bring it. Look, <laughs> it's a great win against a, a bad Buccaneers team. You would again. You mentioned, you know, you've got a full season to look at the the work that's been put in by Dallas this year and judge it on that. But that Texans game at the end of the year wasn't pretty. You had the uh, the Jags the, lost in overtime. Yeah, the Jags lost. Mm. Uh, the last week of the season as well was pretty ugly against Washington. But, it it didn't look good going into the playoffs. In terms no, it of didn't. Form. And the feeling around uh, the Metroplex over there in, in the Dallas area wasn't very good either. <laughs> uh, quite fa- frankly, it was low key going into um, the the play- wild card game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but. Here's the thing, and we hear it said time and time again, but it really is true in the NFL. If you make it into the postseason, you can cast aside what happened through the 18 weeks, the regular season. It doesn't matter. It's a new season, um, a new tournament, if you like. Um, And the two things really stood out for me on Monday night in that Buccaneers game. We've already said the Bucs are a bad team. You are what your record says you are. And that showed up for me big time on Monday night. What impressed me most was on the offensive side of the ball, Dak Prescott was pilloried all week long following that Washington performance. I don't think it's too harsh to say it was his worst performance as a pro athlete in the NFL. And to bounce back from that and play the way he did on Monday night, that that showed an awful lot about the kind of guy, the kind of player, the kind of leader he is in this team. You know, to be involved in all five touchdowns, four through the air, the play action that he sold for that bootleg that was so good. Touchdown. Yeah, it was really good. It fooled it, me it, watching it. Like exactly, <laughs> TV, you know, let alone on uh, the pitch. And the thing I liked about the game plan that Kellen Moore, which by the way I think that's Kellen Moore's best play calling game. I was going to say you've been critical of, of Moore in the past. Absolutely. Um, I think he's often been accused of being predictable in his game plan, and I think that's fair comment. I think he got everything right on the offensive side of the ball on, on Monday night, including having Dak Prescott get out of the pocket and use his legs. How many times have we seen that in the last two years? Really, since he had that horrific ankle injury, we haven't seen it at all. I don't think the Bucs were prepared for that. So that was a another big tick for the Cowboys. And then on the defensive side of the ball, 
Micah Parsons was shot out of a cannon at the start of the season, races to 12 and a half sacks, and then in the final six weeks has another sack. That's it. Yeah. Um, what we saw on Monday night was he lined up on the edge. He lined up as a, um, a linebacker. He was put in through the A gaps, the B gaps. The Buccaneers weren't quite sure whether he was coming or whether he was dropping back in coverage. Again, really good use of a chess piece. Um, Dan Quinn had another great game. The Cowboys only blitzed Tom Brady on six occasions on Monday night. He attempted 66 passes in the game. Yeah. And yet for me watching the game, it felt like he was under siege on every snap. Yeah. So I, I think what we saw at Please Be Most on, on Monday night was the Buccaneers are not a good team, but Dallas made them look like a bad team. And you can't always say that about the Cowboys. Um, now, you go up to the Bay Area this coming weekend, you can get all your excuses out there early doors that they've had two more days preparation. They arguably were able to prepare for Dallas um, the moment that they won their game on Saturday night because they'd already prepped for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers several weeks ago. Uh, it doesn't matter, quite frankly, now. Um, it's You know, you want to be in the dance, you're in the dance, go and get the prize. So I think it's going to be the best matchup of the weekend, not least because you've got the history, the tradition of the two teams taking part. But I think they're the two hottest teams in the NFC as well right now. No offence, Philadelphia, but you've had a bye week and you struggled through December without your starting quarterback in, in the main. Um, can Brock Purdy continue to show the form that he's done to this point, 6-0 and as a starter in the NFL. He has been phenomenal for me, played lights out, but he's only once come up against a defense that's really tested him. That was the New Orleans Saints. Fair play to the 49ers. They won that 13-zip. If Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, this Cowboys D-line get after him and the scoreline remains tight, are we finally going to see Brock Purdy play like the rookie seventh-round pick that he actually is? And that's not trying to be offensive. It's are we going to see a crack in his character because at some point you've got to start learning something new in the pros uh, equally on, on the Dallas defensive side you've got Jonathan Hankins back Leighton Van Der Esch had a great game in Tampa they're crucial to Dallas uh, Dallas's defense against the run can you stop Christian McCaffrey and Elijah um, Mitchell um, can you stop Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel when they're in the open field these are big questions. They're great matchups. We're not going to know till we, we see these two teams take the field. If you can, I think we're in for a classic. Um and it's a it, you know it I, is a huge question though, because you, yeah. you can't just shut down two of them. You do need to shut down all there's of them. Four or five including Kittle huge as well. weapons that you kind of need to shut down all at once. On every passing play, McCaffrey is that threat out the backfield, along with Debo, along with Brandon Ayuk, along with uh, George Kittle. You know, you've got four options there on every play of... And Dallas have got big questions over who their second corner is opposite Trayvon Diggs. You know, we saw um, Xavier Rhodes um, taking snaps, the former Minnesota Vikings uh, defensive back um, for Dallas in, uh, towards the end of that Bucks game. He was literally signed off the pavement as a free agent only 10 days ago. You know, since Dallas lost Anthony Brown... Um, with that season-ending injury in November. They really have been struggling. Kelvin Joseph, second-round pick in 2021, never stepped up. Great special teams player, isn't cutting it as a starter, starting cornerback. And, you know, if Brock, Brock Purdy has time in the pocket, that's a massive hole to exploit. And I was a little bit surprised that Brady wasn't able to do that for, for Tampa on Monday. 
Mm. Uh, how do you feel about Diggs, Rich, as a, as a fan? The, do you do you kind of trust him as a corner? He has. It seems like he has problems kind of staying disciplined. He, he's always going after the ball to get an inception. And he's obviously excellent at that. He's one of the best in the league. But does it worry you as a fan when he's out there and kind of single coverage against these top guys? Oh, no, I, I would tell you straight up now. Um, he's made such an improvement this season that if, like, when you're playing the Vikings, you're coming up against Justin Jefferson. If, like, when you're playing the Bucks on Monday night, you've got Mike Evans. Mm. I want to see Trayvon Diggs traveling with the opposition's best wide receiver. And you've seen him do it this year and he's effectively shut them down now you will see boneheaded moments when he's been too opp opportunistic i mm. think most recently christmas eve against the eagles when he yeah. decided that he was just going to let his man go i i think it was devonta smith uh of all people because he decided he wants to go it and sack gardner Minshew. suddenly smith smith's <laughs> that alone you'd thought he had some contagious disease in in the in goal area scores an, an easy touchdown that that's those type of moments yeah, they they frustrate you, but I've got to tell you, um, over the course of this year, those moments have been few and far between. He's a much improved player, and trust me, if you're Brock Purdy, you don't want to be throwing at Trayvon Diggs and giving him a, a sniff. Go the other side of the field. What about plus? It's the kind of thing that can just uh, completely change a close game as well, especially against a rookie. If you do get an interception early on, that's just going to trash his confidence, isn't it? So, sorry, Ollie, go on. No, I was going to say, what about um? the the game planning you know that's that's something that always comes up being able to deal with moments with Dallas from the coaching side on the sideline you know it was it was the downfall of last season in the playoffs against uh, the, uh, the Arizona Cardinals and yeah funny enough I, I sorry I was just going to say I've done my preview for this game tonight and that's one of the points that that I bring up in in my preview um, which head coach is going to have the better game because. You know, let, let's not sugarcoat it. Carl Shanahan's had his moments in the postseason. Two Super Bowls, you could argue he, his strategy has effectively lost his team games. You know, when you're doing something well, don't move away from it because you've got a double-digit lead. You, mm -hmm. Surely you reinforce it and keep on doing it well. Sorry, in Dave. Houston in Super Bowl 51, we're 28-3 up. We'll, we'll just throw the ball. We won't take any time off the clock. Suddenly Tom Brady has the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Uh, and Ollie, both you and I were in Miami when they're double digits up on the Kansas City Chiefs. Do not give Patrick Mahomes the chance mm -hmm. to do something that's very Patrick Mahomes. And what does he do? He gets away from the run game, decides he's going to pass, pass, pass. This time on the clock, the Chiefs come back at, and win the game. So that, that that's, I think, where I'm going with this game. If Dallas can keep it tight, um, is Kyle Shanahan going to be tempted to move away from his game plan? Because trust me, if the 49ers decide to pound the rock against Dallas all day long, I think they win the game. I really do. If they put the ball, for whatever reason, in Brock Purdy's hands and give this opportunistic um, defence a, a sniff, watch out because it's game on at, at that point. I, I really think it, it comes down to um, the, the head coaches that have got as big a role to play in the outcome of this game as the players on the field. Does the Tampa game ease the nerves a bit, considering, you know, you, you're in on Kellen Moore suddenly as like he had his best play calling game uh, that you've seen him do. Uh, look, there wasn't, it wasn't really a game where the Cowboys could mess it up with 
decisions from the sideline well, in that sort of moment. But does it at least ease your mind a little bit more on, on Mike McCarthy and his cohorts down there in Dallas that like playoff football and, and decision making isn't going to be as much of a problem maybe as it has Hey, been. look, M- Mike McCarthy is not the problem um, for me. You're looking at a guy that's won 24 regular season games over the last two years. Um, you know, over, over the last two years, I think there's maybe only the Chiefs that have won more games than the Dallas Cowboys. So if you're looking to replace Mike McCarthy, you you just show me somebody who who's better than than Mike Sean McCarthy Payton. In, in that instance. <laughs> Sean Payton hasn't won that many games over a couple of years. He's a better coach you know, though. Everybody talks about what a great coach Sean Payton is. He's won as many Super Bowls as Mike McCarthy, and oh by the way, his only Super Bowl win was over a decade ago. So yes, don't don't get me wrong. Sean Payton is a great coach. He's done wonderful things. But are you saying me to me seriously? He is that much better than Mike McCarthy, because you might think it, but his record doesn't bear it out. And the NFL is a results-driven business. So Mike McCarthy's not the issue for me. Um, Kellen Moore, yes, I'll stick by what I said. I think he had his best play-calling game as an offensive coordinator on Monday night. But that's one game. You've got to go out and do it again now. Mm. And it's easy to forget that Dallas's opening drive was over inside 13 seconds in Mm -hmm. Tampa. 13 seconds, three quick passes, opening drive done. You, you're punting the ball away. And then they went three and out on the second drive as well. So it, it's easy to get carried away. Um, you know, as easy as it is to be down on a team and players after that Washington loss, it's easy to get too high after that Tampa Bay loss. The San Francisco 49ers are a different proposition. They're a better team on both sides of the ball by a distance than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yeah. um, are. And if you're you're thinking that, You've had your tires pumped and you're now the best thing since sliced bread because you've been to Tampa and won the game. Then you're going to get blown out in San Francisco. You, it's got to be game faces on it and reset. Mm. That would be a very Dallasy thing to do as well, though. Like, right, we're the we're America's team. We're the top <laughs> dogs. All this. Also, uh, Mike McCarthy or Sean Payton. I would invest in Sean Payton over Mike McCarthy purely on health reasons. I think Sean Payton's probably going to be around <laughs> a bit longer than Mike McCarthy. Oh come on! Health Did you not reasons. see the locker room celebration with Mike McCarthy on Monday night? <laughs> he was busting some moves. Dancing like it was the summer of '69 again. I'm he was all saying, over it. I'm just saying it's brilliant that we have these medical teams in such close proximity, as highlighted earlier on this season. In case there are any scenarios, and they're on double alert when uh, Mike McCarthy's about and busting moves like that. I'm sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I do think you've got to. If you're betting, you do have to go with the Niners. I think it's just. It's only plus three and a half, though, Ollie, which I, know, I think I was surprised at. I thought it'd be a little bit more than that, but I don't know. I don't know what I think it would have been, maybe five. But then that seems disrespectful. I don't know. What do you think, Richard? Are we being silly? Um, what, I, if... I think it is um, disproportionately tight. Um, I think the 49ers are on an 11-game winning streak. They've got the number one ranked defense in the NFL. Christian mm. McCaffrey hasn't lost a game since that mid-season trade to the 49ers and you're telling me that the Niners are only a three three and a half point favorite going into this game I think it goes back to what what we've just been talking about everybody saw the Cowboys play on on Monday night everyone sort of looks at the the Seahawks game for San Francisco and says well it it was the Seattle Seahawks you at home you won it easily no great test here come the Dallas Cowboys well the Cowboys have just won their first road game in 30 years they haven't been to an NFC championship game in nearly as long mm. um i i would have had the 49ers as four and a half five point favorites at least yeah. um what what i actually think is a safer bet 
um, and, and I'll say this in my own podcast, if you don't mind me plugging it, which is out in the next 24 hours. Take the Cowboys points over 22 and a half points. Since week seven, they've averaged 32 points with Dak Prescott mm. um, in the team. I don't think, with the exception of the Washington game in that period, I think that might be the only time they've scored fewer than 24 points in a game. I, I've seen enough from, from the 49ers defense to say that you, you can get after them at, at certain points. They just have a tremendous pass rush, which will get home. Well, the Seahawks did for, for a half, well, didn't exactly. they? I mean, yeah. So if you're giving me Dallas 22 and a half, I'm snapping your hand off. Take the over on that. It feels like one that's either going to be, it could be a Niners big win. But if Dallas are going to win, it's going to be a real close one. It, mm. it just has that kind of feeling. I don't necessarily see Dallas running away with that game. Whereas yeah. I could kind of, look, if things happen in like the Bengals-Bills game, for instance, I could see the Bengals blowing out to a big lead very early on and maintaining it. I could also see the Bills going up big and, and staying there as well. But I think the Cowboys have to keep it close. I don't yeah, think... I, I think Dan Quinn's got, got a big role to play in this. And, you know, let, let's go back to the postseason last year when the, the 49ers won, I think, 23-17 in Dallas. I talk about the head coaches having a role to play. Carl Shanahan nearly blew that game. You know, mm. everyone talks about uh, Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott and running out the clock and not getting it, it right in that final drive. But they should have never had an opportunity. You know, what What are you doing going for it at fourth and one when you can actually just punt the ball away and pin Dallas back because they haven't been able to move the ball on you all day? And suddenly you give Dallas the ball back in great field position. And they have a sniff. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. So um, if, if it gets tight, then you better believe the scrutiny is on both Carl Shanahan and Mike McCarthy. And if Dan Quinn has another good game um, calling the defensive side of the ball, I think those nerves get a little bit heightened and everybody gets a bit tighter. I, you, I really do think it's one of the more fascinating matchups this weekend. Do you think Dan Quinn's going to be there next year? Is he going to get another head coach role? Uh, he's definitely going to get a head coaching offer. Um, yeah. the, the question is, does he want to to take it and leave the Cowboys? You know, mm. he, he was given head coaching opportunities last off season and Jerry Jones got out the checkbook and said, no, I'll pay you whatever you're being offered. I want you to stay here. And he did. Um, so I I think a lot depends on how Dallas go this this off season, uh, sorry, this post season. Um, and if he finishes, if he feels there's unfinished business, he might well end up staying and Jerry might try to keep him in Dallas. If they go and win it all, then it's anybody's guess. Hmm. It's it's nice to see him doing so well because I loved him as a Falcons fan, and it was a bit of a you know kind of sad ending to his kind of reign there. So yeah, it's nice he's hitting the reset button. He's going to get another chance he, somewhere. Look, else. he he has been phenomenal. The job he's done in Dallas with this defense, um, you know, everybody, me included, ra- raves about Micah Parsons. But you look at some of the players that um, he helped bring in, like Jaron Curse. He's de- developed Donovan Wilson. Um, he's bringing the best out of Trayvon Diggs. You look mm-hmm. at rookies like Deron Bland that have come in. Five interceptions this season. I think he's one off the, the season lead. And, you know, where's he come from type of thing? Um, people like Leighton Van Der Esch, who are washed up and, and done. He's managed to, you know, improve their games as well. You know, Leighton Van Der Esch is going to get paid this offseason, whether it be by Dallas or, or another well. team. And the, the defensive line as well. Players like Dorrance Armstrong, you know, these players all buy into what Dan Quinn brings. Um, So there's not enough credit to be given to him because that Dallas defense, the season before he arrived, was historically bad. 
in mm. franchise terms. And, you know, Dallas is now seen as one of the best defensive units in the NFL and that in no small parts down to Dan Quinn. Yeah, no one's no that. one's taking the Jags this weekend, right? Like, we can all... <laughs> no. I, uh, I'd love to see them win, but I don't think they will. They, they... I, you're talking about short memories, right? How short a memory do you have to have to be giving Trevor Lawrence this much love towards the end of this season and then how that game started as well? He was an absolute calamity in the first three drives. And it was even, three picks, wasn't it? Three picks yeah, in the first three picks. Yeah, three short, picks. short memory doesn't even last a half, does it? I know. It? I mean, it's <laughs> ridiculous. Like People are kind of saying, oh, Trevor Lawrence, look how great he is, all this kind of stuff. Even that that Wembley game, Rich, that, that we were at, I was chatting with the Jags in-house staff and a media team, and they were saying, oh, we don't know about Lawrence. His decision-making so bad in key moments inside the red zone. He's always lacking awareness. Look, I'm not saying he hasn't improved, but I'm, I, I'm a firm believer that Travis Etienne is the real reason why the Jags are as good as they are, because yep. it is taking so much more pressure off well, Lawrence. The, the Chargers lost that game as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they lost that. Well, they, no, they didn't Jags score. They didn't score a point away. in the in the fourth quarter. Charges, Herbert, charging. Herbert def- just forgot how to play quarterback. It was but yeah, they extent, lost. I it. think they got that lead because the Jaguars are playing so badly. So actually, I think the Jags both lost, were trying to lose the game and then won it. The Chargers just didn't really show up <laughs> at all throughout <laughs> the entire game. Yes, yeah, fair. That yeah. wasn't a Chargers performance of any stature at all. Yeah. yeah, and also I'd say, look, that was at home when you've got everything going for you. You've got a capacity crowd right behind you. Um, this pressure of the playoffs, but it doesn't get more comfortable than that. Now you've got to go to Arrowhead, a place you've already lost yeah. once this season. Yeah. It is going to be a feverish atmosphere up there. Patrick Mahomes is on another mission. Um, and it's Andy Reid with, with his play calling as well. You know, everyone's predicting the demise of the Chiefs because Tyreek Hill's gone. And yet Patrick Mahomes leads the league in uh, passing yards and touchdowns that he's thrown this year. Um, and it's not just Travis Kelsey either. You've got uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I believe, has been designated to return for this weekend. You've got the rookie running backs complimenting. You've got um, Smith-Schuster there uh, and Valdez-Scantling uh, and anyone else you, you care, care to name. And on top of Kelsey, by the way. Um, yeah, look, I think it's been a nice story. Um, and I think Doug Peterson, again, great job from worst in the NFL to winning the division and winning a playoff game. But I, I think that fairy tale ends this weekend in Arrowhead. I think the Jags feel a bit like Tampa in that. Like they, they really shouldn't have been there. I mean, the reason why the Jags are in the playoffs is because that division was so torrid. The, the Titans... Terrible. Titans, Titans down seven on the spin. Are you kidding me? Yeah, Tannehill going down was huge for that that team. That was yeah the death knell. Yeah, that that whole division, Texans, Colts. I mean, you've got two of the worst teams in football this year. You've got a Titans team that can capitulated down the stretch. Like the Jags had to win their games, and you know you can did. only beat who's in front of you. They did exactly that. They are a marked improved team. Um, Doug Peterson, as you say, has had a huge huge lift going into there, but like. I mean, you should. The Chargers will be looking at themselves this off season, just kicking themselves for not showing up in that game and for letting that lead slip in the manner that they did. Do you, do you see Herbert a little bit differently, Ollie, or are you still no? Crazy I still, high I still on think well? I still think he's great. I think he's shown. There's only one time that I've kind of been a bit down on Herbert, and it was at the Chargers game I went to against the Chiefs, mm. and Herbert had the ball in his hands with like 38. 40 seconds on the clock and I think it was a timeout or two left 
and Patrick Mahomes gets the ball in that situation down a touchdown, I have a feeling that Mahomes can do that. When Herbert had that ball in his hands to start that drive, I didn't believe that Herbert had the ability to do I, I that. Was, I was going to reference that. I think it's just kind of like you've, it felt like Herbert was up there with Burrow, Allen and Mahomes. And now I feel like he's on the outside looking in a little bit. But there's another just for, part for this of, season, I, you know, I, not just the playoff loss, but the season as a whole. But even the, the receivers, I think, have come into it as well. Like Mike Williams has been in and out all season, as has Keenan Allen, you know, with injuries. So there is a lack of faith, I think, in, in that receiver court. Austin Eckler is great, but he's not a single back kind of guy. You need to... He's the kind of guy that you need to have alongside a bit more of a bell cow, punchy running back. I love Austin Eckler, and I think the stuff he can do on the field is wonderfully versatile, but I do think... I you disagree need... with that. I, think I disagree with that. I think yeah. the trouble they had was missing Mike Williams and that passing attack being nowhere near as good as it needs I to be. I completely agree with that. Okay. Yeah. That I think Mike Williams not being available at the weekend was we huge. Mm. Um, and you, you look when um, the Chargers got down into the red zone at the end of the second half, and all you're looking for is your big-bodied wide receiver to throw the ball up there and go and get the ball. And they had nobody that matched that description. Um, and that cost them at the end. I think as well, Everett's been a bit underwhelming this year at the tight end position for the Chargers. I, I wouldn't put him I, in. I never thought he was that great anyway. No, I, well, he'd never be in your kind of upper echelon of tight ends in the league, but you'd have had no. him down as a steady solid. But I haven't even really, mm. really seen much of that. And again, I kind of wonder if that comes into the early interception at the beginning of the season where Herbert threw it on the correct shoulder and Everett doesn't react to it in that That Chiefs was a coaching game. problem. You reckon? We we when we we saw it, if you watched the replays and the video of that, Everett had run, I think he'd had the last two catches and he'd gone say 60 yards and he was clearly completely gassed and he motioned over to the coaches to come out the game and the coaches said no stay in and the next ball he's supposed to run and break but he can't because he's just knackered. And Herbert thinks he's going to break one way, but he breaks the other way because he's tired. If you're taking that player off because he told you, I'm too tired to keep going... you got a better chance. Without Seems question. like a Charger thing to do. Well, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Charger's charge coach is do. coming into it again, isn't it? Yeah. Um, How did they blow that game? That was... But yeah, so... Uh, well, they the... blew it the week before by playing their starters, but they didn't need to. Yeah. Yeah. I... yeah. yeah, that was that's, insane. That's, where, that's what it was. Absolutely that was a poor decision enough. the week before that killed them in that game. But is that going into... If if everybody comes out of that game fine and the Chargers have some great momentum with their team still riding competitive football, people will say, oh, wasn't that smart? Wasn't that great? In the same way, if the Eagles win this weekend, people will say, oh, brilliant. The Eagles had that bye week. They were refreshed. They were good to go. If they lose, people will say, oh, the bye week, the rustiness. Like There's a double narrative you can paint with it. And Brandon Staley, mm -hmm. I imagine, has just sat there and gone, well, I want to keep my top players in to keep momentum going down the stretch, to have them playing competitive football, not have a week off, not have the rustiness but coming in. it's not in. a competitive game because there's nothing to play for. The players know that that seed was locked in. They were going to be that seed no matter what happened at that point they played. No, so but that, no but reason that's a, to try. But that's a Apart from I'm, their own personal pride, which I understand. But you'd be better off saying the second string out and saying, go and show me what you can do. Impress me for your spot next year. But that's that's what I'm saying is is the coach's thought. The players on the field are going to go out there and think it's uncompetitive football either way. But I imagine that's what Brandon Staley's reasoning and rationale was behind it. I mean, I haven't heard him say anything at all about why he did it, to be honest, aside from, you know, just wanting to have his first team out there. But yeah, um, I could understand it if it works. He looks like a genius kind of thing, but it doesn't. And it probably costs them in the playoffs and they lose a game that they should never 
They should never be losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Well, are the Chargers are the Chargers that good a team? Well, they've been I underwhelming. Think, I think all we anointed, season. yeah, we anointed the AFC West at the start of the year as these four powerhouse teams are going to be amazing. And look how two of them were completely rubbish. Well, what happened? Well, Raiders were completely rubbish. Sorry, the Broncos were terrible. The Raiders really underwhelmed. The Chargers, I thought, were going to win that division, and then Mahomes does what he normally does. And Mahomes, I thought, was going to have a down year. He didn't. So, mm. what do I know? Nothing clearly. <laughs> Well, you are the most financially beneficial player on the uh, gambling of the of the season. That's Jazz. true. So we had a we, good, good run of form the last few weeks. We kind of need to lock into whatever you're doing with that. Um, yeah, I, I, there's not really much you can say about the Chiefs and the Jags, to be honest. This is like there's only one winner. Nobody else is. Well, there should be anyway. And I think I think that if the Jags beat the Chiefs, although the Giants beat the Eagles is still quite a bit of an upset. I think the Jags beat the Chiefs might be a bigger upset. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh. By a mile, for sure. but for it's sure. also so big; it's completely unrealistic that it's going to happen. Yeah, it's not it? happening. <laughs> well, you never know. Any you can't given say Sunday. never. Yeah, yeah but yeah. you can say it's probably not likely to happen. Yeah, uh, Dave, the Jags you wanted... aren't going to our ahead and winning, guys. It's not happening. Dave, you wanted to do some uh, crazy things. How about, how you about want to that... see? one second? How about if they do do that, mm. I'll buy you a Scott Jake, have it delivered to your house, and you have to eat it. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Done. Okay, deal. <laughs> That's locked in. Good. <laughs> Uh, I like that. It's good awareness. It's quite simple. To. People wonder what you're on about, but I like that a lot. Nice yeah. callback, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, the Scott Jagg has been an ongoing theme since you mentioned it. <laughs> there have been a lot of questions asked to a lot of people that have come on this podcast about have they had a Scott Jagg and what do they think of it? <laughs> See, it's a good question, isn't it? It's it bad. really is. And it's, it's amazing how many Americans think the whole idea is completely abhorrent and like the worst thing ever. Well, they're right. Well, no, <laughs> what about the Rich? What do you make of the Brandon Copeland suggestion, which was to take the egg, wrap it in cheese, and then in the meat as well, so you get a melted cheese factor in the middle? Look, anything that's remotely related to a Scotch egg is bad. Adding a layer of cheese is not going to salvage it. No. <laughs> <laughs> what about some bacon? Wrap it in bacon, and then I, I do like bacon. That yeah. was that tempting, but. You've still yes, you've still got the essence of the Scotch egg. You, you, you're going to have to accept it's just wrong on any level. It's wrong. I don't. Not, like nothing masquerades that. Not bacon. Not cheese. It's just wrong. Well, I really hope now the Jags win specifically, so I can <laughs> try and get one delivered to your house. Oh yeah, can you? If if that happens, can you film your opening and consuming of the egg as well, please, Rich? I, I, I will do that for you. Yeah, but. What do I get in return if the Jags lose? Hey, you pick. What would you like to see? You've got three of oh, us well. to pick. Pick one. <laughs> wait, I can wait, guess this, which this one is, you're going to pick This is with on. Jazz. This is only with Jazz, so you can just direct whatever you want to do to him. It's fine. Right, okay, okay fine. Um, jazz, if the Jags lose, mm-hmm. then you've got to turn up here next week on this show. And I want to see pictures of it fully decked out, including what you've got behind you. It's got to become a shrine to the Ravens. Oh, rough. <laughs> it, it's all proportionate. That, that is how much I dislike Scotch eggs. Mm. I'll take oh. that bet. Oh, I'm looking, looking forward. I'm, I'm going to try and find some Ravens kit. Yeah, yeah for cheap as well. <laughs> so you don't have to spend fucking hundreds of pounds. And uh, it comes from China. It's going to take more than off. a few days as well. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Come you on, know, Jags. I know some Ravens fans. I can get some things sent towards you. It's fine. Yeah, we do. It's know. just going to be white t shirts with scrawled ravens uh, on it, isn't it? <laughs> Print out, I can see what's happening. Printed out A4 pieces of paper of Ray Lewis making tackles. It'll be purple like everywhere. <laughs> oh, I hate Ray Lewis. Uh, Dave, you wanted to do some wild things that you want to see this weekend? 
Oh yeah. Um, I see if you guys have got anything that wild that you think is going to happen. Well, clearly, um, I think the Jags are going to win now. That's pretty wild. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is wild. It's a good start. Um, trying to think, what have I got down here? Okay, bold predictions. Chris Jones has four sacks. I'll start off with that one. He's had two and a half in one game this year, and he's had fifteen and a half sacks on the season. Four I could sacks. just see Seems a him. lot if he's lining up in the interior defense. Well, I I did write I wrote down three and then I upped it to four because because uh, you guys are getting bold talking about the Jags winning. I was like, oh, three's not enough. It's <laughs> a bold prediction. <laughs> Three and, I think, I think three. three and a half sacks. <laughs> three is acceptable. Three, three is would be a, a, three is wild. Three would yeah, be I, wild. Three, three would be a career wild. high in a game for him, wouldn't it? Think I think so. so yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, Ollie, have you got any? Um, Chase has under fifty yards catching against the Bills. Ooh. Because they're going to have to get the day. ball out quickly. Burrow's going to, I mean, that was one thing when Sal was talking about it that I was thinking, you know, even if they are down linemen, it doesn't really matter because Joe Burrow's been so used to playing with a bad offensive line and having to get the ball out quickly. And Chase has been the key guy. But you would have thought that the Bills would very much know that and be able to kind of scheme on Chase. And yeah, I don't know, under 50 yards. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's a. Uh... If they win the game, you can see that definitely being a stat line that happens. Mm. You could see Higgins just going off though and getting over a hundred to make up for it though, couldn't you? And they could still do a <laughs> yeah, lot of damage. If Tredavious White really locks him down, that's yeah. possible. I don't think they keep him to that low, to be honest. I've got another one. I've got one about one. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I've got one about the Bills Bengals game. This this is ridiculous. I, I do appreciate, it, especially as we we're just talking to Sal and the. Um, you know, hearing hearing him talk about the game, and it sounds like it's going to be possibly snowing as well, which would really make this unbelievable. But the highest scoring playoff game was ninety six points, and I feel like we could get in the eighties if the Bills Bengals goes really wild. So I'm not saying we get the highest scoring game ever. That was the um, Packers Cardinals in 2010. That was ninety six points, which is wild. I looked that up, and that I was the like, Rogers... Oh yeah, I remember that game. Went to overtime, didn't it? Yes. Rogers Hail um, Mary at the end of four quarters. Yeah. Yeah. And Larry Fitz got the game winning touchdown in overtime. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the right. um all or nothing. Was that the was season. that that was the first all or nothing season, yeah. wasn't it? Um yeah, one of the craziest games ever. But I feel like if you have those games sometimes, kind of like the Eagles Super Bowl win, where defense just doesn't matter. Mm. And I feel like it's possible with those two quarterbacks. It feels less possible with the offensive line that the Bengals now have, but it feels possible they could both get in the 40s and we watch something truly wild. Yeah, I think the weather That's kills that. Prediction. I think the weather could kill it. No snow, and I get my I get my 80 point game. Just yeah, just cold as well. I think. But if you had a Bills Chiefs game in Atlanta, I would mm. definitely say that's a possibility for the AFC Championship game. That's true. Maybe I keep that one. In the yeah, back yeah, pocket. keep I in the back pocket that. for the championship games. That one. <laughs> uh, the other I'm one I was going to say is the Giants lead at halftime in the Eagles game. Ooh. I could see the Eagles doing slow it. starters, and I've I've had yeah. this thing in the back of my head of Eagles players decked out looking around as the link is booing them midway through the second quarter and the Giants have got like a lead and the Eagles players look completely fucking lost 
You think they would boo them time. in the second quarter? 100%. 100%. Oh, you're, you're <laughs> they booed them else. walking off at, um, at halftime against the Saints. And they'd yeah. only lost one game, I think, at that point. Jesus. No, we'd lost the previous week as well. Two. We'd lost two games going into that Saints. Who did you lose to the week before? Oh, I can't remember. Bunch of bunch of chumps <laughs> that could only just beat a second string quarterback. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that is one thing I'd quite like to see Eagles-Cowboys in an NFC championship game. As I'd much love as to see Eagles Cowboys. Now, actually, I'd love to see Cowboys Giants because oh. that means then Dallas are at AT and T Stadium <laughs> and the favourites as well yeah, by a yeah, long by way. That. Yeah, yeah, Dallas would lose that in that instance. That is... that's, that's my that's my honestly my only concern about the Giants Eagles game. I I think it, there's a lot of truth to the fact that it's difficult to beat the same opponent three times in a season. Mm. Um, we saw that in 2007 on that Giants Super Bowl run when. Dallas had had their way with them and they go into Texas Stadium and and have their way with, with the Cowboys having beaten the, the Packers. Uh, you've seen on a couple of occasions since. I, I still like the Eagles a lot in, in this game. But the divisional rivalry aspect, winning three times in the same season, it, it's just the back of your mind there. You say, well, it could happen. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's why I think the Giants lead at halftime. I think that's a good one. I like that. I've got um, like I've got Purdy throwing a pick six on here as well. Purdy throws pick six. Now which... I can see that happening. Yeah, I thought you'd like that one, Richard. Yeah, <laughs> I, well, I didn't no, know on, you on were coming se- on as well, and I still wrote that down. So <laughs> uh, on a serious note, just because, like we said earlier, the Dallas defense is so opportunistic. Hmm. Um, now, whether it matters in the course of the game um, and whether it even affects Brock Purdy or not is another thing entirely. But I, I can see a. The, the opportunity, at least, for Purdy to throw a pick six. Um, but like I say, I think the 49ers have, are more than capable of holding their own off, on offence as well. I'm not saying that, yeah, that they might still go on a win, but yeah, that's another one. Have you got Have you got one, Jazz? You like long odds on bets? I Give can't really think of any because you've just given me off the top of my head and I'm if I'm deadly honest, I'm now trying to find Raven's merch that's not ridiculously expensive. <laughs> Uh, You're not even listening to no, podcast. I am, but I'm also attending. trying to plan for the next week. I like the idea. I like the idea of you buying all of this Raven stuff in preparation, but then the Jags pull it off, and now you're just stuck with a whole load of Raven stuff I mean, in your house. What I would do is order it now, and then I'd have it to come for next week, and then I'd have it not opened until I knew the answer of the thing, so I okay, could return yeah, it. Yeah, okay, that's smart. That's smart. The other and one I was. Not, yeah, that's that's what stuff. I'll do with the Scotch egg as well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So worst case scenario, I'll have a bunch of Raven stuff and I'll just destroy it using it in the gym. That's what I'll do with it. Yeah, fair, fair. I'll wash some cars with it. There you the, go. Use this nice chamois leather. But not the other, exactly. the other one I was going to have was going to be similar to what was almost the greatest bet, and I still owe you a lagerita for this, Richard Graves, which I will pay you back at some point. Was um, that Super Bowl between the Niners and the Chiefs? I said that. The Chiefs will win, but Jimmy Garoppolo has a better QB rating at the end of the game than Mahomes, and it was close. It got real close. And I need to say, I snapped your hand off for that because it was the most ridiculous thing I think I've ever heard. And so it proves to me. Lagaritas are delicious, by yeah, the way. They are great. They are great. Um, but I was going to say... Wasn't that a double or quits bet as well? It might have been, actually, yeah. 
I can't remember what the other one Stu- I lost. Didn't we? We had uh, something to do in Chicago on the opening night of the season. Oh yeah, I said Mitch Trubisky throws a, t- a inception on this drive, and he didn't, <laughs> which was unbelievable because you take that. He might have done on his second attempt. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was going to say the Bengals Bills game. The winning QB will have a lower QB rating than the losing one. Okay. That's my other kind of bold one. That's a weird one. That's it's an interesting one because you could see either Burrow or Allen making some mistakes that could kill their QBR, but they would also have enough with legs or their other teammates like Joe Mixon to be able to get themselves out of any hole. That you know what? It's, it's interesting because if, if you're looking for an upset this week, I I really like the Buffalo one. Mm. Um, I, I think of all the road teams, the Bengals have got the best chance of going in and coming away with, with a W this week. Um, I hear what Sal was saying earlier about the banged-up offensive line, but let's not kid ourselves, guys. Their offensive line was awful last year, and they got all the way to the Super Bowl. They're in a position to win the whole thing with about mm. five minutes to go in the Super Bowl it, it, itself. So that doesn't particularly um, perturb me. And you look at the receivers they've got. Joe Burrow will get the ball out quick enough, and Jamar Chase only needs to make one man miss, and he's off to the races. Yeah, so. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that, that's that's a possibility with Joe Mixon in the backfield for the Bengals as well. I can foresee a scenario whereby Josh Allen finishes with a better QBR. Well, I've got the Bengals winning. That's one of them. Well, it's going to be an 80-point game, so they're both going to have uh, <laughs> crazy stats. <laughs> yeah, imagine that's four interceptions return for touchdowns <laughs> on each side. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, I'll run through the bets quickly then. 41-1 to 1 I've got on my bet. Uh, I've got the Chiefs to cover the spread How? of... Chiefs to cover the spread of minus 8.5. I've got the Niners to cover the spread of minus 3.5. And then I'm taking the Giants and the Bengals to win. Oh, okay. Yeah. Taking two under. He's taking the Giants to win. Yeah. I hate it when you pick against your team. He does this quite a lot as well, Rich. It it drives me nuts. So he's lost quite a lot this year then. (laughs) Uh, He's lost every week, actually, Rich. Yeah, yeah. So I think what we're saying is don't pay any attention to all these bets, guys. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I went odds hunting and I'm really getting paranoid about this Giants Eagles game to the point that. Fair play, Ollie, that you got got those odds. I didn't even think that was possible with four games, to be honest. So get on you. Without taking the Jags as well. Getting those odds without taking the Jags. Mm, What have I got? What have I got? Right. Giants. Giants have got the spread on that. I like that spread. Plus seven and a half. Um, I got the Bengals plus five as well. I got the 49ers to win. And then this one I don't feel good about is the Jags plus eight and a half. I feel like that game could get messy. Oh, I think they get the more that we, the more that we broke it down, I was like, uh, I mean, they could cover like the back door in the in the fourth quarter, but it feels like it could be like a two score game. That yeah, so I don't feel good about that. That's only eleven to one. So to mine's very similar to yours, Dave. I've gone Jags to cover the spread because I always think that when you get to playoffs, games do tend to come down to a field goal, and it's apart from the Dallas game and the Seahawks game, that's pretty much what we had most of the weekend. So I got the Jags to cover the spread of eight and a half, Bengals to cover the spread of five, Giants mm. to cover the spread of seven and a half. Uh. Taking the 49ers at minus two and a half rather than the three and a half that they're on. Okay. So I trust them to definitely win by more than three. And what'd you get for that? I- I'm just frantically here trying to get odds on what I- I've gone for in-, in my podcast, Graves on Gridiron, in case I didn't plug it in. <laughs> um, be out from all good loud outlets tomorrow. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I've. 
I don't think I've got anything like Ollie's got here. What have you What um, have you gone for, Rich? I, I've got the Kansas City Chiefs to to cover. That's the only um, match spread that that I've taken out the four games at eight point five. I think that's an absolute <laughs> no brainer. Um, and then the, the other three games, I'm looking at um, at the points in each of them. First of all, with the New York Giants over seventeen and a half points, I, I don't see any reason, even in defeat, while why they don't score at least eighteen points um, in the link. Um, the Bengals Bills, like you guys have spoken about, I think it'll be a high scoring game. Bengals line is set down at nineteen and a half points. Are you kidding me? Mm. What? The Bengals no way. Take the over at nineteen and a half points, and then, like I say, the, the Cowboys since week seven are the, the hottest scoring team in the NFL. Twenty two and a half points. Take the over on that as well. So what, mm. whatever the odds end up being on those those four to, to come in, take it. And surefire you, winner accumulator. You'll like be that. using your winnings to, uh, I presume, pay off the legal fees as Ian Rappaport sues you for stealing his backdrop. <laughs> I, I think, I think you're fine. It, it, Ian Rappaport Accurate. has nothing like this as a backdrop. I don't, I'm not even sure he has a proper bookshelf. <laughs> I love. I'm loving in the bottom right hand corner of the screen as well the picture of you doing the interview on the uh, on the field. Uh, got, got a new edition as well, just for you as well, Ollie. Is that Great Tim book, Tebow? More good there? outlets now. Ugh. You need a bit of swagger to win the playoffs and uh, multiple Lombardies, Ollie. Good read for you, Jimmy Johnson. Tim yeah. Tebow uh, book there. That's is that a light read? Yes. Is it? Uh, it's a pamphlet. It's a picture book. <laughs> it's, it's a bit old that book now, but it's in hardback, <laughs> a... so it's got to be valuable, I guess. Picture book. <laughs> picture book with Bible scriptures in, I believe. The, the Tim Tebow the, the, one. The most the most important books are right up here. Actually, a bit of C.S. Lewis, Narnia, and Harry Potter. They're, they're <laughs> I did notice terms. Harry Potter. I did notice that the uh, those nice. are the original covers as well, right? The... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. What's the Chargers player behind you as well on the right, over your right shoulder? Uh, the, the Chargers. The light blue. Yeah. Or is that an Oilers? No, no, no. Oh, no, no. <laughs> you, you'll remember this from Minnesota. It's actually a, a little drinks holder. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> you screw his head off and put your drinks in there. It's brilliant. Oh wow! It's so a straw got... at the top. Ah. See Super Bowl Fifty Three. You got some cute. memorabilia. I Very see. Cute. I didn't oh, get yeah. to. I didn't get to go to Minnesota, Richard. I was the only member of the oh. Talksport team left out on that trip. So uh, honestly, old, you, you 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 did miss a, an okay game because Philadelphia won it, um, but. It, that week, it's the coldest I've ever been anywhere. I, I kid you not, on the Thursday before the game, uh, we're in downtown um, Minneapolis, they're filming away. And, and for whatever reason, we're in the shade, shade of the stadium, which is then colder still than, <laughs> than whatever else it might be. But I think the air temperature was minus 36 degrees Celsius. And we're only out there for 10 minutes, literally doing some filming, at which point the big, thick graphite um, tripod legs that my cameraman had one of the um supporting rods clean snapped in two um and we got inside and that my nose felt like it had a thousand daggers in it and literally the little hairs in your nostrils are just frozen solid oh, it's, wow. it was something else that experience um and also did the zip line across the the mississippi which scared the living bejesus out of me but we made it safe and sound in the freezing cold yeah that must have hurt Oh. <laughs> well, it, you, you don't really think about the hurt so much as when you're on the zip line and 100 feet below you, you can see a semi-frozen Mississippi River, half frozen, half flowing. 
and neither side of it looks particularly appealing. Just get yeah. to see the side, please. <laughs> Jesus. Where's the, what, where's the what are you do in the name of entertainment, hey? Where's the best venue that you've been to for a Super Bowl? You can't Ooh, no, say... That is a good question. I was going to say, you can't say New York just because that's like an out complete outlier. I can't see them taking a Super Bowl back to New York again. For no, I, I don't think they will. Um, they, yeah, that that that's my favourite Super Bowl because it was my first one. Um, I've got to say, uh, and I hope it's a lot better this time around, Phoenix was the most disappointing one just because the city itself wasn't prepared at the start of Super Bowl week. I remember turning up on the Monday morning and skyscrapers are still only have half their banners up. They hadn't finished preparing them. So that was all a Terrible. bit weird. San Francisco w- was epic um, mm. because all the game week festivities took place down in San Francisco. But the, the venue, Santa Clara, is like 45 minutes drive um away so yeah in terms of the the week itself for super bowl 50 i think san francisco was probably um the best venue um to this point at least um the best super bowl i've attended was super bowl 54 in miami just because you had all the hype surrounding the 49ers and the dolphins and as you well know ollie that quite often the the game itself is incidental and rarely lives up to the hype and that lived very much up to yeah. all the storylines, everything that had been laid out before it. And he had the dramatic double-digit comeback win for, for the Chiefs as well. So, uh, but yeah, San Francisco was an awesome um, host city. Nice. Yeah, it'd be a, a cool one to go to. I know there's some people I know trying to frantically find ways to get out to a possible championship game this week around other responsibilities they have of yeah. broadcasting and commentary and stuff like that. My mate Andy was like, <laughs> I looked at a flight to go from london to mexico city to land at 4 a.m on sunday morning in mexico city to then fly up to san fran because there's no direct flight on saturday night to get to san francisco so he was trying to thinking that and then bounce up and i was like mate no chance immigration in mexico and in san francisco not gonna it probably doesn't help him that the nfc championship game is the first one of the two on yeah it kind, of, kind of limits you for time to get sorted <laughs> yeah. as well yeah yeah mm. just a bit just a bit which is weird as well because if it ends up in San Fran that's going to be a very early kickoff yeah it will be won't it um trying to think what time kickoff is it'll be about midday so, if it's eight normally about an eight o'clock kickoff for that first one that'll be yeah about, it is be a midday, so game be midday won't it yeah which is unusually early for the, for the people in the bay area that'd be interesting yeah you just have to drive and start tailgating at like 3 a.m like a season opener kind of thing or something like that. Drive the two hours down to the... Uh, that that, that actually, whilst um, I'm speaking to you, is one of my favourite stories ever of doing um, opening day in the NFL, um, the season the, the Eagles um, were defending the, the Super Bowl championship and turning up in Philadelphia. And it's an 8.30pm local kickoff. And we bumped into these tailgaters that have been there since the gates had opened at quarter to nine in the morning. Wow. Um, it, and they'd come with no intention of getting tickets for the game, just to savour the atmosphere. And needless to say, by six o'clock, they were hammered. And oh, one yeah. of them was passed out. And I don't know whatever happened to them, but I don't think they even saw the game on TV. Wow. Um, yeah. Their first in tailgating, don't remember any of the what the events of the evening for the game itself. That was The season opener I went to was a normal kickoff against Washington after we did the um, Packers-Chicago game. And I went down there at like 4 a.m., half three four because i wanted to get a sunrise over the stadium kind of time lapse shot and there were tailgaters already there and they said people had said they've been turning up at like 2 a.m half two 
setting up and starting drinking. And it was like, that is mad. They're getting the grill on for breakfast after already having like a six hour drinking binge before then tailgating properly for the actual game as well. It was, I don't know how many other places do that. I know, I know the bills and the chiefs have similar sort of tailgating fanaticism. So, um, yeah, Atlanta's I, I remember gonna have doing a fun Thanksgiving one. one year in Dallas, um, and that's always a, a 3.30 p.m. local kickoff time on Thanksgiving Day because it follows the, the Detroit game. Um, and bumping into tailgaters that have been queuing in their pickup truck outside the entrance, which didn't even open, by the way, until I think 10 a.m. They've been queuing <laughs> um, from 4 a.m. waiting to get it. Happy Thanksgiving. Why? <laughs> get the family in the car for the best spot. You want to have the best spot at the tailgate, Jazz? And of course, with, with it being Texas as well, they do it right. They bring the entire turkey and have this big cylindrical element and they just dunk the turkey in there for however long it takes and fry the thing. Happy Thanksgiving, nice. all. Amazing. Awesome. But you won't have a scotch egg. Unbelievable. <laughs> hey, I didn't try that turkey either, let me tell you. I'll have a, I'll have a car park turkey. Thank you very much on, uh, on Thanksgiving. Gravesy, as always, man, really, uh, really fun to chat some NFL with you, buddy. Uh, Tell everybody again where they can find all your, your graves on Gridiron and everything. Yeah, sure. No, great to, uh, to be invited on and chat with you guys um, again. Graves on Gridiron, um, wherever you get your, your po- podcast downloaded, go there. It's out every Friday morning. Um, and usually uh, we just look at three games from the slate. Don't take it at quite the extent you guys do, but you know, then look at the line set and dissect them. Um, and we've done quite well again this year, finished with a winning record. Um, but come to playoffs... Go big or go home. Don't take three games. Take every game. Uh, put my neck on the line. Pick one of the lines. And um, and yeah, live or die by what you write and say, as always. How'd you do um, last week? It's good fun. Graves on gridiron every week from Friday. How'd you do last week then with six? Uh, went three and three against the line. I was furious. Welcome to our world. <laughs> Welcome. Oh, to no, our... We, all, we all went five and six, actually. Five yeah, and six. Five and six yeah. this. I, I, picked, I picked spread. all the... All the all the winners, and I got greedy and picked the Seahawks spread and and lost. Well, well, this is the thing on pure outright winners. I went six and zero last weekend, um, but against the line, three and three. Yeah. So yeah, we, the we NFL loves parity, doesn't it? Nothing like yeah. five hundred record. That's the spirit. <laughs> yeah, me and Ollie both went bucks because we both didn't want to bet on the Cowboys. Yeah, that's what ruined it. Foolish. And it'd be weird because you know, I won't you, be. You, you've, you've got to take the emotion out of it, guys. Come on, professional pride. I couldn't pride do it last week. I just couldn't point. do it. Because earlier in the year, I'd bet on the Cowboys to to win as part of my 16 bet, and it's the game they lost in overtime to the Packers. With that, yeah, and that and was you the last, vowed, never that again. Was the game I watched it go into overtime, and that was the game that I needed to just get me from the five wins to six. I think it was worth uh, 600 pounds that bet as well. I was uh, a little bit livid. You, you never, you never find. Um... A poor bookmaker. That's all I'm going to say to you. Absolutely. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very true. If you start doing well, they'll ban you and tell you to, to piss off. I, I've never experienced that. You'll have to tell me what it's like. <laughs> Hopefully one day I'll have that experience. <laughs>